So the highway to well, I don't know, I think 90% of it is remembering who you are and what brings you joy and coming back into alignment. Because at the root of that is generally like where your health and well-being remains. Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey, Erica. This is our podcast. What do we do on the podcast? Uh, We talk to wellness experts. What do we talk about? wellness stuff. And why are we doing this? Because we want to have an inclusive conversation about things that you can actually use and apply to your life. Right. We don't think that wellness should feel preachy. We think it should feel like everybody can participate. That's right. So if you like what you hear, tell a friend. Give us five stars. They're all free. All of the above. All of the above. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Hey guys, we are very excited to share this episode. It's about basically having access to things that we should all have access to, like better options for doctors and practitioners and sort of a marketplace for the kind of experts and specialists that we actually want to work with. Krista Burlingcourt is the co-founder of Kensho Health and also CEO. She has an incredible story, uh, which started as often does with her own journey through some health issues that led her out to the other side to say, oh my God, why are there not better options for people like me? She is, she's been named a top female founder to watch. She's a founding member of the Forbes Councils and Aspen Institute's Fringe Diplomacy. Um, And she's also just super fun and easy to talk to. And we really enjoyed this conversation and hearing her whole journey from health crisis to becoming an incredible CEO and co-founder of a very, very exciting platform. So we hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks again. So what if I told you your morning coffee could make you smarter or that your afternoon dark chocolate habit could also provide the most powerful immune support available in nature? You'd probably say I was full of shiitake. That's a mushroom joke because we're a mushroom company, Earth and Star bringing you the amazing benefits of functional mushrooms in your favorite everyday products. We make coffee, tea, snacks, and more, all with a whopping 2,000 milligrams of adaptogen extracts like lion's mane for brain power, chaga for immune support, and cordyceps for physical stamina. Crack open a can of our certified organic plant-based lattes and cold brew, or choose our ground coffee to brew at home just the way you like it. Sweet tooth? Try our four flavors of delicious dark chocolate bars or our cute little drops to put in your favorite beverage. Every Earth and Star product is 100% organic, gluten and dairy free with zero refined sugars, fillers or gums. Because gross. But do they taste like mushrooms? No, they taste like coffee, matcha, chocolate bars and everything else you already consume. They just come with extra superpowers. Visit earthandstar.com and use the code podcast to get 15% off your first order. Earth and Star, your daily routine elevated. Um, okay, well, officially, welcome, Krista Burlingcourt. Thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited to hear about your journey and what you've created with Kenshow. Thank you, Erica. Really excited to be here. Well, so let's dive in because you know Zoe and I have definitely done a little bit of digging on on you and your story and what you've. What you've been through is definitely not the the average uh, journey. So, can you kind of share how you how you arrived at where you are and and what it took to get here? Sure. I grew up in Oregon. Uh, my family, my parents are naturalists. 
my dad is kind of like a combination of Bear Grylls meets uh, David Attenborough. So imagine like <laughs> survival of the fittest in the wild. And so my that experience and our connection to nature almost as a religion and a natural way of living, um, a simple way of living and spending more, far more than 50% of my life like in, in the backwoods wilderness of um, different natural environments certainly colored my experience as a human. But then I, I swung like as far right as you can go because I decided I didn't want to be like my parents um, and went into the corporate world. Until I was about 30, well, it kept going, but at 30, 28, 29, I started to notice health issues. I was tired. I was fatigued. I started to have this funny feeling in my chest, like almost like pain, tightness. And I thought, is that anxiety? Am I anxious? I don't know. And so I started to look at that and, and I went to the conventional medical path of, okay, I'll raise these concerns with my medical provider. And they said, no, we'll put you on drugs, take all of these pills, you'll get better. Um, and I thought, okay, sure, whatever. It's almost like my brain was turned off. I knew there were other things that worked. That's how I was raised. I mean, we grew our own food. I don't know the last time either of my parents have ever been to the doctor and uh, they're incredibly healthy. My dad rides hundred miles on his bike every day. And it's all he does all day, every day. Every day? Every, yeah, he just gets up in the morning, bright and early, rides his bike all day, comes home, 70 years old. My mom owns a bicycle store, actually. My dad had a, a bilateral hip and knee replacement. And rather than going the traditional route of, I'm going to be on a bunch of drugs after surgery, I'm going to have this rehabilitative plan. He was like, I know how to cycle and I know how to take care of my body. But that part of my brain was turned off when I started getting sick. And so I really went the conventional route and I continued pursuing that route. But in the middle of that, I actually... My company, one of the wonderful things about having your company be acquired is that you suddenly have more budget to go do really cool things with. And at that point, I started working with a team of scientists to really understand what is the connection between recidivistic behavior? Why do we do things that are bad for us over and over and over again? And it was, okay, at the core of all of our behavior around the way that we behave with money for most people is shame. They don't want to talk about money. And that was just fascinating to me as I dove into it psychologically. And that's really what led me into health. So then as I started looking at my, the way I was approaching my own health and sort of outsourcing it to a doctor saying like, you fix me. I thought, what the hell am I doing? Like I'm being avoidant with my own health. My body is telling me it's not happy. So I started working with a naturopath. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna, sorry to interrupt, but what did at that point, what did the doctors actually suggest was wrong with you? So they said that I had adrenal fatigue. Mm -hmm. um, they were like, you have adrenal fatigue. At this point, I was living between Portland, Austin, Texas, where I met my then uh, boyfriend and decided to start splitting my life between Austin and Portland and New York. And I had also joined um, an international global diplomacy program. I think I counted it. I took like 56 flights that year, mm -hmm. you know? I think that with health, it's all that, you know, the highway to well is that incremental shift where you just, you kind of lose the plot. You think, you think, okay, this is normal. This is normal. This is normal. And you lose sight of what your normal is. You lose sight of what feels normal and what feels good. And 56 flights doesn't feel good. But it had become so normalized for me. That first job, I was commuting from Portland to Seattle for Deutsche Telekom and then for Microsoft. And so I had never had my, my company and my life in one place. So then when I met someone uh, romantically, the idea of commuting between Austin and Portland for love, I was like, well, that's, you know, I'm pretty good at getting on a plane. And then when we sold the company and I was spending far more time in New York, it was, well, okay, I was already spending a lot of time in New York. Who doesn't want to have three homes? <laughs> this, this is a terrible idea. But 
that patterning and really the disruption of my sleep cycles effectively, just chemically, hormonally, depleted my cortisol to the point where I was at flatlined at zero. And so I was on cortisol therapy and hormone therapy, but it wasn't improving. And it wasn't until I was actually hospitalized with like this intense chest pain. And I thought that I was, I was like, am I having a heart attack? Is this really real? And what had happened is I had gone into what they call an Addisonian crisis, which now if that persists, it can kill you. And it's effectively your body is producing so much adrenaline to counteract the fact that you have no cortisol, which when it's healthy, cortisol is a great thing. It's what wakes you up in the morning and it's what tells your body like it's, it's time to rise and shine. And it progresses. It sort of increases over the day and then it comes back down. It's a bell curve. Um, but when it's at zero, you run off adrenaline. And when you run off adrenaline as a woman, you also then need testosterone. And so my estrogen, progesterone, and uh, cortisol were at zero. And so it was at that point that I thought, okay, there's something really wrong here because I have this team of, of doctors and I have the means and the time in my life at this chapter of my life at 30, which most 30-year-olds don't, to actually get really great help. So I had the best conventional help you could have. Um, and I started working with a naturopath. And the doctors on the conventional side said, at the ER, they told me, well, we just need to give you more drugs more often and for the rest of your life. And it was when it became a lifelong sentence, something in me clicked. There's something about someone telling you like, this is who you are. You are a fixed state and you're broken now. This is chronic and irreparable that I thought, nah, there's gotta be something better. And it opened up so many doors along with what I was looking at scientifically into sort of our avoidant behavior as a society and as individuals around these complex conversations like health and money and well-being. And it really propelled me into this world of kind of a just a fascinated curiosity with health and well-being and how do we get to the place of well, exploring so many integrative and holistic practices, and then ultimately moving to Los Angeles after taking six months off and you know meeting meeting the guy who would become my co-founder with Kencho. Um, can you say, um, can you share what medication you were on for that? Oh yeah. Okay. So let's see. I had, um, well, my cortisol reached full, full blown zero. They call that a flatline. And at that point I was on prednisone and percortin. So I had a monthly, uh, prednisone injection and then percortin is like a daily steroid. And now the irony out of all of that, I suppose, as well is I got well, I think it was probably a year a year and a half after that. And my dog was living with my mom while I was traveling and he was hospitalized and diagnosed with Addison's. And he's actually been on hormone therapy now for seven years. He's, he's stuck on it. And, you know, it's interesting. Addison's, when it is, when it is fully diagnosed Addison's, there isn't, you know, a, a known path off. Some people are born with a cortisol deficiency, which is diagnosed as Addison's. Mm. Mine was developed, you know, at a later stage in life. And so the, the conventional world told me like, this is it, you have Addison's. And I thought, eh, I don't really think so. I think that I may have, you know, your body's a bit like a car. Like you rev your engine too hard for too long, it's going to blow. I just sort of blew up my own engine and needed to take the time to rebuild it. And what was the, like during that time, I know you were sort of like pointing a big finger at travel and the sort of, 
the sleep cycles being interrupted and all of that totally makes sense. Like what, what were the other variables? Like what were the other contributing factors? Like how is your diet? Like how are other aspects of your life during lifestyle during that time? Yeah, it's so funny. I remember like sitting down with my naturopath for the first time. And this, this piece, this thing is very much a part of, um, of Kensho and of the coaching intake process. And she shared the life wheel with me. And it was like, okay, now rate yourself one to 10. Where are you at each element of well being? It was like my environmental health. And I thought, I'm exhausted and I live in three different environments. That's so like a zero. <laughs> I don't even know where I live. Like my stuff is spread across the country and the world, my romantic relationship. And I thought, okay, I'm trying to build a life with someone who lives. There's no direct flight. And the only flight I can take is at 9.30 p.m., which lands at 2.30 a.m. in Houston and then leaves Houston at 5.30 a.m. for like a 7 a.m. arrival in Austin. It's like, that's not going well. Okay. First um, of all, why wasn't he traveling to see you? Why were you- <laughs> well, that's another, that's a great question. I mean, I think- uh, he was <laughs> That's like, why it was low on the scale. Yeah, we, we could dial into that. Um, <laughs> separate, separate but, Well, no, I mean, that's, that's also part of well-being. I think, you know, the- the evolved adult me who's gone back to school for psychology and has built a health business for five, whatever number of years, you're like, because you get what you think you deserve. Um, and that's all a cycle that's inherited from, you know, your, your parents and their parents and their parents before them. So I thought I was over-operating. I was over-indexing and I was over-solving. And that was my choice. No one made me do that. But that was what I think I needed. I thought I needed to do in order to be enough. Um, you know, my friendships were struggling. Because I was over-operating, over-indexing, and trying to live between three cities, that means that you're never there for your friends in any one city. You're always like the absentee friend when they need you. My exercise routine, I didn't have one. I lived in three cities. Like, Good luck. My sleep routine, I wasn't. I was sleeping on planes and red-eye flights in order to maximize for work time. Um, The one thing I was still really good at was working. I was the best at working. And that made me the worst at everything else. And... The irony out of all of that is I generally like being me. I have like, life's been, life is fun. I like the experience of sort of, I would say like, I get myself into the best situations. That still existed. Like my soul, my soul was still there, but the way that I was sort of carrying myself through life was just so deeply out of alignment. Yeah, that makes sense. So then you kind of arrive at this moment Kensho is like this light bulb. I mean, did it, was it something that I tell us what it is, but did it, was it a kind of a slow burn or was it something that just sort of struck you and then you went down the path? Slow burn. Well, uh, so let's see. I left, I, I stayed in the company for a year. So after my last company, um, after I was unwell and trying to kind of refigure that out and then decided to leave December of 2016. And I took six months off and went to South America. So I actually, at that point, I was like, wow, everything is so out of alignment. I've lost the plot. And so I left the relationship I was in because that wasn't working. Um, I left the company. I left all three homes and put my things in storage. And I thought, I need some space. And I need to go hear myself think again and reconnect with nature, which is a place where I find you know, clarity. And booked a one-way ticket to the Galapagos Islands with zero context, really. I just thought, I don't know, this feels like the right place. Um, I remember sitting on the bedroom, my bedroom floor in my condo in Portland with my mom. She was like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. But <laughs> I'm, I'm like 99% sure that this is going to be okay. There's the 1% that's afraid. And I spent that six months really understanding and exploring certainly different pieces of myself. But 
with this intellectual curiosity around these ancient uh, modalities and practices that have been used to help people find and maintain holistic well-being, what gives and why aren't those more accessible in the States? Um, you know, looking at meditation, looking at yoga, looking at massage, looking at um, nutrition protocols and, and the dieting of different herbs and um, just really interested in sort of the mental, physical, and emotional elements of well-being. And so, mm-hmm. at, at, sorry, so at that point, just trying to get the timeline in my mind. So at yeah. that point, are you still, are you better from these drugs? Or are you sort of dropping oh. them all and no, saying, at that point, I, I, I dropped myself off the drugs. Because yeah, it's funny. Yeah. For sure. When after they told me, you know, this is it, you're gonna be on these drugs forever. It's more injections more often. Something inside me woke up. Um, you know, it was like it was the wake-up call where there was a piece of me that had been quieting itself and that had been outsourcing, you know, it had been outsourcing my own healing to someone else, to a doctor, like, please fix me, please fix me. And at that point when that was shared, it was like this voice inside of me said like, whoa, you need to stand up for us. And I, you know, I suspect that was my soul saying like, hey body, I'm here, I hear you. And my mind needed to get to work to create a better solution because what I was doing wasn't working. And so when I left and went to South America, I was on zero drugs, you know, no, no medications whatsoever. Not even birth control. I was just like, all right, we're going to go clean slate. Back did, to you tell, did you tell your doctor at that point? And what was their reaction? Did you say like, no, I'm going off cold turkey. I'm going to try this other route. Did they discourage you? Like what was, what was their reaction? I was improving. Like I, I wasn't at a place of, of pure depletion. I was certainly improving. Um, and I was working with a naturopath and I was, you know, I was going, I was traveling. So that's also its own choice. I think, you know, I, I felt... I felt physically well enough to go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my doctor didn't have... She was like, okay, if you start to not feel well, you'll have to... That's another conversation we'll have to have. Um, but yeah, I, I. it wasn't a future that I was okay with... That I was okay with for myself was mm-hmm. that diagnosis. So what happened in South America? Well, where, Galapagos. where did I go? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I like I, I went to San Cristobal and met. I just did all these things that reminded me who I am. I think like so the highway to well. I don't know. I think ninety percent of it is remembering who you are and what brings you joy and coming back into alignment. Because at the root of that is generally like where your health and well well being remains. So I spent a lot of time in nature, like all of my time for six months. I was never never inside. Um, you know, and fast forward later. Uh, there was a company here in LA that I had been talking to for quite a long time about coming in and taking over a role for their um, CMO. Uh, and it's in the health and wellness space, headspace. And I came here and I was like, oh, wow, LA's kind of cool. It's like South America, but not. Keep in mind, my context is coming from Oregon, Austin, New York to Venice Beach. And I'm like, okay, checks out. There's beaches and outside and it's warm. Um, it's a slower pace of life. I really liked that, but I didn't want to go into a high paced growth stage startup again. I was like, I can't do that. My body, body won't take it. Um, and so I knew that I was really curious though, about the health and wellbeing space. I knew that I was really curious about what the core contributors are to the, the things that make us healthy. Um, and so I started exploring different business opportunities and meeting people and networking. Um, and I moved to LA 
You know, it's like the, it sounds so, it is so cliche where you're like, I moved to LA with two suitcases. I did. I moved to LA with two suitcases, my Vitamix, my plants and my dog um, into an Airbnb that I never left, you know, for two years. But I knew directionally the area that I wanted to move into. And it wasn't until I met my co-founder, Danny, uh, through a very fateful walk um, that the idea, the very clear idea for Kensho came to me. And um, it did sort of just strike. You know, people say like ideas strike. And I thought, okay, I think I know how to fix this. And I really wanted to fix this problem of, you know, once you, once you know you're not well, once you know that you don't feel well, why is it generally this, you know, two to three year period for most people to find ultimately the thing that creates health and well-being again? There's, there's not a discovery path. There's not a referral network. There's not, you know, one informed friend. It's listening to a ton of podcasts and reading a ton of books and digging through Reddit. That's a lot of time that the average person doesn't have. And it's just kind of wasteful. Whereas in the conventional medical system, you know, you have a primary care provider, you go to them, they listen to you for a moment, you take a test and they refer you out to a specialist. And I thought, there's got to be a better way to create that for the holistic side of mm-hmm. medicine mm-hmm. Um, and for holistic healthcare. And so what happened on the walk? What, like, what was that I know, conversation? I was like, what was- yeah, I mean, I go, okay, so do you guys want like the, the really heartfelt story? Yeah, or- I want the okay. truth. I want the real story. Do you want the cute The real one. Okay, so the real real was um, the guy from Austin, who we now know, uh, the one we were like, why wasn't he visiting you? Hmm. He did. So I came back from South America. This is, let's paint a picture. This is September, 2017. And I live in Venice at the time. And he comes to Venice with a woman who was then his girlfriend. I don't know that. I mean, I know that. Um, And he says, let's meet for coffee. And I think, okay, let's meet for coffee. Like I can do this. We've moved on. And we meet for coffee and we haven't moved on. It's still all very much there. And I'm like, damn it. Um, (laughs) A few days later, he, he calls and says, you know, I broke up with my girlfriend. I'm not leaving LA until I see you. And I think, oh gosh, we're, are we backslide? Are we going back? We backslide. We backslide for about a week. And then um, I have this moment where I think, what am I doing? <laughs> like, we just, we just got out of this. So for anyone who's listening, where you think like your dysfunctional relationship isn't a core contributor to your lack of well-being, you're wrong. <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's your body telling you no. And I called a good friend and said like, oh, you know, my heart's broken again. Um, and he, he's a coach uh, and, and a dear friend in New York. And he said, I think you should come to Burning Man. And I had been before. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, you should go rage. He was like, I just think you need some space. I think you need to get out of your head and explore something new and like, not don't be in that. Um, so I thought, okay, I mean, sure. Why not? But it was two days before. And that's a bit like the amount of prep that goes into burning man, whether you're have, do either of you burn? Have you done that? Uh, I, oddly enough, I just got back from Joshua tree last night. (laughs) <laughs> so like oh. so like a really mini burn yeah okay. it was an intimate burn with friends <laughs> a small an intimate burn. yeah so burning man's like eighty thousand people big arts culture music festival in the middle of the desert that takes you know three days to travel to and so i messaged this whatsapp group which was my camp that i had been invited into and said hey i'm driving out by myself does anyone is anyone else driving from la and this guy direct messaged me and said you know, that's a really long drive and it's not safe to drive by yourself. And I thought, okay, like 
Captain, you know, <laughs> obvious um, safety police over here. And he was like, but maybe we should meet up for tea and we can see if you're a fit for my caravan. Um, and that guy is Danny, my co-founder. So our first meeting was happenstance, you know, a DM out of a group chat. And when we met up to discuss sort of, was I cool enough to drive with this caravan? Mm-hmm. Just totally what I was doing is screening me. We also then talked about our careers and kind of what we were doing. And he was leaving this world of uh, media, entertainment, management, consulting. He was at WME, NBC, then went into management consulting for MediaLink, and then built a help, you know, much like myself, kind of had this awakening of like, wait, this isn't what I want to do, and built a vegan snack food company called Brahmi. Oh, and I don't know if you've ever had the little lupini bean. Yeah. I yeah. Think I met him once, actually. That's ah, so funny. Anyway. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. Great guy. A while ago. Really recommend 10 out of 10. But I don't know. There's very few meetings where you you, you meet someone and, and it was very strange. We both had this feeling of like, this person's going to change my life. Like it, I, We don't really know how to explain it. But so we met a stranger I met off of a WhatsApp text. And we walked around for five hours talking about life and what we were interested in intellectually. What happened on the walk? You know, we dug into, I was looking at the idea of a healthcare marketplace, and he was looking into the idea of a meditation marketplace to help people find meditation teachers. And I I was looking at coaching because a coach had been the pivotal thing for me, and a med- meditation had been the pivotal thing for him and moving him forward. And and then we both really anchored into this, I think, honest and and pretty vulnerable truth that the thing that really scared us in our lives these days wasn't that, but that. I wasn't able to help my mom move forward and he wasn't able to help his dad move forward. And we were like, that's just a shared universal experience is that health isn't just ours. Then it becomes you know, the people we're trying to help get healthier mm-hmm. because we can't imagine life without them because we want them to feel their best. Um, and there was something inside of that where on a deeper personal level, I was like, I trust this guy, like his heart's in the right place. Mm-hmm. And so we both felt that. We drove to Burning Man. We're out there for a week. You learn a lot about a person in a week of burning man. It's like it's like a three-year relationship. Um, and then I got home and sent him a text and was like, hey, I think that we're supposed to build a company together. I think that it's supposed to solve this fundamental problem of how do you help people find the things they need to feel better and sort of look at health holistically by being less prescriptive, because frankly, that's a little egomaniacal of us. I don't think we realize it, but I'm prescribing coaching because that's what worked for me. And you're prescribing meditation because that's what worked for you. And the reality is that we need to build the parallel competitor to the to the conventional medical system by creating an entry point that gives a person a primary care provider, which for us is a holistic health coach. That needs to be backed by ease and access to testing. So you need to be able to order tests if you want clarity into your biomarkers and blood work so you have objective answers. And we need to be able to refer people out to a network of specialists. But in our case, they'll be holistic specialists, whether that's a functional medicine doctor or an osteopath or a chiropractor or a therapist or you know a naturopath. And then we started building. Uh, he sent me a text back that said, cool, sounds good. I'll fly in tomorrow. <laughs> he was living in New York at the time and actually in Greenpoint. And so we spent the first year of our exploration splitting time because that was my trend. I was really good at that between Greenpoint and Venice. Mm-hmm. Literally ends of the earth. Brooklyn and Venice. Wow, oh, I love that. And so how old were both of you roughly at that time? Well, unfortunately, I'm the older one. So <laughs> I just turned 35 uh, last Thursday. 
And at that point, I was just not just almost 31. So it's four years. Um, I was like mere weeks away from 31. And so Danny was then 29. He's two years younger than I am. Wow. Amazing. We won. Like, damn it. Just... I, w- I keep waiting for him to somehow magically be older than me so I don't feel like the older sister. Ah, <laughs> uh, you'll get used to it. <laughs> it so where is Ken Show now in terms of... I know you guys have closed on a round of funding. Congratulations. It's awesome. Thank um, you. You've built it out to what level at this point? So... You know, as is the case with many early stage startups, um, and I've been a f- part of a lot of them before this. So I'm lucky that they've all done well before this one. It's still an on- it's a it's a roller coaster, and so that means that we've raised actually a little over five million now. We're well capitalized, but we've tried a few different things: some that worked and some that didn't. You know, the marketplace that we originally sought out to build on its own is a challenging business model. Because providers don't want to pay to meet patients. They kind of just have this idea that they're supposed to get patients for free. They're frustrated with not having enough patients, but they still don't want to pay for the new patients. Whereas in the conventional sort of traditional world, people are really happy to to pay for new clients. You know, you're, you're happy to pay a marketing fee, right? But now the thing, you know, there, there comes a moment where you finally figure it out. And now we've adopted where you actually sign up for Kensho and you have subscription to holistic health coaching. So there's companies, for instance, Parsley Health have so much respect for what Robin's built. It's also incredibly expensive for the average person. Yeah. $300 a month. How do you guys differentiate? What was that? I was going to ask how you differentiate. It was because... $79 a month. And the big thing about Parsley is that you only have access to functional medicine doctors. That's awesome if that's what you need. But what if you need a holistic gynecologist because you're looking at fertility? What if you need a chiropractor because you have a spinal alignment issue and scoliosis? What if you need a holistic gastroenterologist because you have Crohn's and ulcerative colitis? What if you need an acupuncturist? And the thing that we already have, because we already built it, is this network that's now the nation's largest network of holistic specialists. So that's already had it was already done. And we have a partnership with Lab so that we can actually order all the tests that you might need. So similar to Parsley, you get labs with results and then you build a health plan. You can do that with one of our registered health coaches. You can also build a health plan based on, you know, when I went into my naturopath, I was like, something is very wrong. And we did do tests, but that self-acknowledgement is really, you know, what you might call, it's it's just your own diagnosis, right? Your symptoms. Mm -hmm. So you can have a symptomatic base plan of what you're saying isn't you don't feel good, you're tired, you feel fatigued, whatever it is. Um, or you can take tests. It's up to you. And for us, it's really exciting because we see the way that it helps patients so quickly. Holistic health coaching is so expensive in the market today because coaches are trained by their teaching institutions. You know, it's interesting. They also teach them in marketing. And they suggest a price point of $2,400 for three months. That's $800 a month, which is $400 an hour. For a health coach. For a health coach, which Uh is not, you're like, which I understand that's their recommended pricing, right? Which, you know, the same as if you go buy a car, like the price point is the price point. And we thought, okay, I understand that. But the thing that I've been good at in my career where I've experienced, I'm like, you can make anything cost less if you think about a different way to build it right? Like what are the building materials? And so it was, how can we build a product 
that alleviates a lot of the back-end business operations for those health coaches. And that makes it easier for patients to stay on track with a care plan and with their health plan so that we can bring the price point down to something that's actually accessible to people. Because what would it look like if you think, you know, you look at a company and you say, um, let's take Apple, you know, you have 20,000 employees. What would it look like to have 20,000 employees who are supported by health coaches who are actually healthier? And then to have spouses who are impacted by those 20,000 and their kids who are, you know, impacted. It has this ripple effect that's really fantastic, but you actually have an advocate with you 100% of the time on your health journey. It's like, that's the thing I wish I had in the beginning. Like that would have, I would have reached well-being in a matter of months. You know, my health coach would have seen that. We would have discussed the symptoms. We would have built a health plan and I would have had that accountability and that advocacy and moving me forward would have fundamentally changed my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad it didn't because I wouldn't have built the company. But what we see with patients who have been struggling with things like long haul COVID or, um, you know, what would I would say is like chronic hormonal imbalances, gut health issues like candida and Crohn's, et cetera, is there's reconciliation in a matter of months. But because you keep the price point so low, it's then, well, you don't really need to get rid of your health coach. It's someone who's just a part of your life. They're a part of your care team, much like your primary care provider is. So when you say you have this whole set of like holistic practitioners that run the range, is there a standard that you've created? Like, I know this sort of, this idea of calling yourself a holistic X or holistic Y, like, can mean very different things. Is there like, how are they achieving this sort of holistic badge? Let me try to dig into that one. So I think I hear like the quality question, which is one. So there's one that's subjective quality. And then there's the objective, like what's allowed in. Is that the two pieces of the question? Yeah. Like I think, you know, for to say you're a naturopath or you're a functional medicine doctor, like that's a very, that feels very like a very specific field, like to say you're holistic, like seems a little bit more unclear to me, you know, sort of like what makes a practitioner a holistic practitioner? So holistic kind of the, well, that comes down to nomenclature and lexicon, I guess, like what's the definition for us? It's a practitioner who's root cause oriented in their practice. So allopathic care is trained in you have a symptom, you look at the symptom, and then you refer to pharmacology to say, how can I fix that problem with medication? Which is okay. It's just a different school of thought, right? It's like doing different kinds of math. You know, there's nothing wrong with algebra or trigonometry. It's just different kinds of math. Like there's, we're not making a judgment. Um, but holistic is saying you come in and you say, I have, you know, I, I'm seeing this like chronic or I'm seeing this acne on my face that hasn't been there before, right? And your holistic practitioner will say, okay, well, like, what's going on? Why, why do we think your body is expressing itself through acne? So is that a digestive upset? Is that a hormonal upset? Is that fatigue? Is that, you know, what are the number of things that generally contribute to that symptom? So they look at the symptom as a sign that something is out of balance because bodies are super cool and they actually will just rebalance themselves if we give them the time and space to do it. And we stop taking away the things that create imbalance, Right. So holistic is going to go to the root cause, seek and destroy the root cause, and then bring you back to well-being. Whereas allopathic is going to layer on a medication. Um, Does that suggest though that they're they're automatically taking a natural approach 
in addressing the root cause or not necessarily? Are they not, not necessarily always. One of the so you have holistic providers, um, for instance, functional medicine is what I would call hybrid practice, mm-hmm. where a functional medicine doctor is very much an MD who is also trained in ph- using pharmacology to solve for symptoms. But their primary path is through lifestyle-based medicine. So mm-hmm. nutrition, diet, exercise, et cetera. But for us, it's that each of the providers on platform, whether you're a therapist or you know whatever your specialist may be, you're looking at the root cause. You're looking at like why why is this a symptom expressing itself that way? So for instance, anxiety, if you're a therapist, you say not you have anxiety. You're not diagnosing this person with be, having anxiety. It's what are you anxious about? Like what what's going on? That like let's kind of let's dig into it a little bit and get curious about where the anxiety might be coming from and let's support it. Um, there's so many instances where you know people who thought actually the the doctor coincidentally that my business partner and I, Danny and I both work with her specialty of practice, not that we've actually used it, but has been in helping people get off SSRIs um, and anxiety medication because lo and behold, it wasn't that they were anxious, it's their diet was creating anxiety because they had too many stimulants going on, too much sugar. So again, your holistic practitioner will look at like, what's the root cause? How do we get really clear into what that symptom is? And then work with a patient to move away to find well-being. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down. I think it's just, it's, you know, it gets for a lot of people very confusing when like, you know, functional medicine, naturopath, holistic doctor, you're kind of just like, well, what is the actual difference between these? But yeah. So inside of it. So like yes. holistic yeah. is a functional doctor is holistic. A naturopath is holistic. A functional medicine doctor is not a naturopath. And a naturopath is actually also not a naturopathic doctor. Those are two different things. So doctor is still doctor. That means you went to med school, you passed a bar exam, you are a licensed doctor. But the same is true for chiropractic and acupuncture. Those also have boards. Uh, And then you look at um, accreditations like therapy. Again, you have a board. So we look at accredited practices, not self-self kind of... To your point, you can call yourself like a holistic nutrition specialist. Nah, that's just that you really like food and maybe you made yourself healthy. We don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. No, that's a good, that's a good sort of breakdown. Thank you. And they're not cheap either. I mean, especially functional medicine doctors. God, it's like I'm collecting them at this point and uh, none of them... Do you have trading cards? I should. I should start. You know what? That would be an amazing game because I feel like I have so many technicians. Like I have like the osteopath, the chiropractor, the kinesiologist, yeah. like the you know functional medicine doctor. Not one of them takes insurance. insurance. So it, yeah. it's, it's tough. It's tough. It is. And here's like, it is so... My last company was in banking. And when we started it, we were like, we're going to build the first digital bank in America. And they were like, nah, you can't do that. It's legal. And we were all in our 20s and thought, yeah, we can. And you can. It, it will happen. It will be covered by insurance here before long. Uh, not because we want it to be, but because there's trend paths when you look at innovation cycles. And that's really cool. You can map them out and sort of future forecast. And when you look at Europe, 60% of healthcare spend is on complementary and alternative medicine as they qualify it, which in the States we refer to as holistic medicine. So our trend line will follow Europe's because that's what happens over time. Um, they're just they're older nations than we are. And, and the secondary piece is that health insurance companies are really happy when they get to save more money, effectively when they spend less on your care. 
because that's their business model, right? You pay them your premium each month. And then whatever happens, they're there to take care of you. But if you're healthier, so you cost them less money, they're thrilled. Like that's a that's a great outcome. You paid them $300 a month and they had to pay no dollars a year to make you healthy. The best way for a healthcare company to do that is actually through preventative, right? It's through plugging into something like Kencho and saying, we're just going to give every patient a health coach so that they have a consistent through line who's looking at their health and helping them maintain a better state of baseline well-being. Um, so we've had really wonderful conversations with insurance companies who are like, awesome, great, let's go, let's do this. Yeah. And that just wasn't the case five years ago. COVID was a pretty big wake-up call for the world, certainly, but for America and how abysmal you know, our general state of health and well-being is. And you can't reach people at the point of like crisis intervention because we have such high rates of obesity and um, diabetes and all of the pre-existing conditions that exist that made people such, you know, unfortunately, such targets for, for COVID to run its course to end in mortality. The country now is like, well, I think we need to fix some things. Yeah. Well, so what have been the kind of unexpected hurdles that you've encountered in building this? Hmm. I mean, I don't think I'm like, huh. <laughs> so, uh, let me let me let me ask yeah. that a different way. What part of it has been easy? <laughs> hmm. It's funny, easy and challenging co-foundership. It's a marriage, so we work on it like a marriage. We really do. Like we have, you know, we have a relationship coach um, who helps us work on our relationship because that colors every single part of your business just like parents, you know, that's been both easy and challenging at times. Building our team has been easy and challenging at times, but I've never had more respect for a group of people that I've worked with and more admiration where I'm like, wow, you guys are so smart and your hearts are in the right place. And I love seeing how people interface, like how big is the team with each other? How big? About 23 people right now. Mm -hmm. I was just looking at our chart today. So not huge. But big enough that you start to see relational dynamics and people really kind of like in their realm of genius, which is really fun. The hardest part has definitely been finding the business model that the market also wants to play with, you know, and that changes, that's changed so much in the last three years. At the point that we were starting the company, we were trying to um, convince people that holistic medicine was even a field of practice that was going to grow. And my investment conversations would be like, no, 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 for real. I'm, I'm sure this is going to become a thing. Fast forward five years, it's the single largest growth sector in the world, um, you know, just based on, on a market perspective. So that's been funny. That's just, that's made us laugh a lot. And I think the most fun part has been watching the outcomes that you have with patients, with members who, you know, work with a coach and, and see resolution. And you hear these stories of, you know, someone who uh, we we got heard from a, a customer last week who had been experiencing you know a state of unease inside himself and just not feeling like himself for such a long time and had spoken to so many therapists and 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 for five years, and that was creating disruption in his relationship in his life, where he feared that that was going to fall apart. He started working with a therapist that he found through our care matching, you know, through our coaching. He's like he's like I'm I'm better. I feel like this person I knew I could be. Um, and I missed him. I hadn't been him for five years. You're like, 
that's the best thing. If that's your job where you get to hear those stories. Yeah. So you basically just quit coffee, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Quit coffee, did therapy, dealt with his stuff. Like, but, but that is actually, you know, a lot of people, you'd be shocked. But the amount of people who they quit coffee and they're like, I just feel chemically balanced again. <laughs> yeah. My acupuncturist just made me quit my decaf habit. It was very upsetting. Ooh, how's that going? It's, it's unfortunately, it's working. <laughs> what was the symptom? You were just like agitated still? Just like not sleeping, like literally not getting more than five hours a night and drinking two cups of, you know, strongly brewed decaf every morning. And he was like, gotta just cut that out and see what happens. And he was right. And I fucking hate it, but I can reintroduce on a slow, you know, slow burn. Bodies are, I mean, bodies are sensitive. They are yeah. so smart. I'm a delicate flower, obviously. You are a snowflake. <laughs> My God, I can just, yeah. You're like, I pound it. I have like a big gulp of, of you, you have like the, the truck stop coffee. <laughs> You're digging into so. Me? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have our own brand of coffee, which is Earth and Star, and it's loaded with functional mushrooms. Uh, let me just tell you what. Uh, no, it doesn't disrupt my sleep. The coffee does not. I'm, um, I think it probably does make me a bit anxious during the day, but definitely does not. Nothing will. I, I usually sleep quite well. I'm like Erica. <laughs> everything. Every, like everything. I'm like, oh, I feel terrible. And I look it too. That's the worst part. Like whenever I don't, I, I look like puffy or inflamed or, and, and it's like, what happened? I'm like, oh. I had a piece of chocolate at 9.45. Three days ago. <laughs> Two days ago, I'm paying for it. And Danny always says that too. He's like, you're such a delicate little flower. You're so sensitive. It's so lame. It's so lame. No, it's, you have to think of it as a superpower. It's kind of how yes, I'm a highly like, sensitive person in every so possible capacity. Yes, yeah, yes. she tells me. She's like, nah, don't do that again. Yeah, well... I, you know, after 20 years, my functional medicine doctor and my acupuncturist were trying to force me to eat red meat. Like, just try it. Just try it. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, uh, okay. I think I, I think I'm in, like, I have a pretty open line of communication with my body. I don't really feel like I need it. They're like, you're going to have so much energy. I was like, all right, tried it like a few times. And I just like immediately puffy. Like I could feel like all the salt and like my eyes and next, I don't know if it was overseas or whatever. Like I broke out for the first time in like decades. I was like, this is just not, I'm not having any of the things. I think we're all just so different. I don't know. Well, that, I, and that, I mean, that was the thing that actually led us to start the company. It was like, you know, I was like, everybody needs a coach, uh, like a, at that point I was thinking like a transformative psychologist coach. More not in the holistic health realm where you're looking at integrative nutrition. And Danny was like, everybody needs a meditation teacher. And then I was like, what if everybody's actually a special snowflake? Because that's reality. No two people are alike. And what you really need is someone who can build a personalized health plan. That's not, you know, there's a ton of apps out there that say like, you can take a test and we'll tell you what to do based on an app. That's not medicine. That's that's data science. Data, exactly. That's like it's, just it's number data. crunching. That's not... There's a re- you don't go to a doctor and like, can you imagine it? I mean, already our medical system sucks in America. But if you went in and you, you like scanned your fingerprint and then they sent you back just like a list of results of what you should do because of that or your blood work, like that, that is the thing that creates you know, a lack of satisfaction. So adding the, the marker of holistic to that and then calling it like, you know, the solution is not quite right. The only way to really help people is to 
make it more accessible to look at your holistic well-being. Like what are the eight core contributors of what's going to build a happy, healthy life? And then and then giving you a person who's dedicated and helping you find what you need to get there consistently. There's I don't think there's actually one other outcome that works for everyone because otherwise you're prescribing right. you know, what worked for you on the other person. Did you guys team up with the dating app for those who have clearly marked relationship as one of the core contributors to poor health? <laughs> we joked actually when we, um, our last, so during COVID, we actually did a lot of things. You know, we made some decisions there as a company, as a brand. I think as people, a lot of people did where I was like, what can I do to help? Because this sucks. And so um, we started making it easier for healthcare, for our practitioners to connect with patients. Um, and that was based on actually my co-founder and I both at that time were single. We we're like, what do you do if you're single during COVID? Like, how do you meet someone? So we got on apps for the first time. And one, Raya has video intros. And I was like, couldn't you do a video intro for a healthcare provider? That would be super easy. And then, then that turned into the organic evolution. People were like, well, what do you do if you're a very health forward person in dating? I was like, maybe next, like next 10 years down the line. I don't know. Um, it's possible. Maybe sooner. You have to put your level yeah. of caffeine tolerance as one of your criteria because you have to be able to go to coffee together. I mean, I'm curious to hear. So I, I spent um, the summer in not America and then coming back to America, you, you know, whenever you leave somewhere, just like when you come home to where you were raised and you've left and you're like, oh, I'm, a, I'm sensitive to these things. You know who doesn't have crazy food sensitivities and concerns about every single thing they eat? and like Everybody wild. but not Americans? Yeah. And being someone who came to LA, you know, and, and developed, then I, I didn't allow myself to eat anything. You're like, I'm gluten, air... You know, the, I'm a breatharian. All I all I do is air. <laughs> I'm like, why? Like, what is that about? I mean, I have a lot of a lot of thoughts on that, just in terms of like systemic sort of psychological mindfuckery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which you said I could say the curses. You can so totally I said say mindfuckery. Um, but you look at I'm like you're in I'm in Europe eating pastries and pizza and cycling and moving and tomatoes and my skin's great and I'm happy and I've never looked healthier. And then you come back to America and everybody's like, oh, well, I only eat kale that's been hand massaged and blessed by like three shamans. And <laughs> I eat eggs every third Tuesday of the month. And just like, why? It's a, it's a phenomenal like time suck. And I mean, we're all guilty of it. I'm not going to say that I haven't like set down rules and policies at some point that I then had to be like, what the fuck? Like if you're hungry, then eat the banana or whatever it is, you know? But Yeah, because yeah. that's effectively when you're, that those points are it's when you're disconnecting from your body. Right. When your brain is telling your body what to do versus your body saying like, go, no, go. And you start to override that switch. That's when it gets out of whack. I um, know. My brain is always just like, just open the bottle of wine and try it. <laughs> I don't know. Your body says yes. And your body's like, hey, we'd like to not feel like trash tomorrow. Or <laughs> <laughs> no. the, third, the third glass is never... Doesn't doesn't always end in a good place. (laughs) It usually doesn't. Um, But yeah, I know it's true. You wonder how some miraculously, like these other countries, are surviving through the pastries and the gluten. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, in the the simplicity. You know, I, I like, I went. um, I'm a cyclist, actually. So this is. I don't know if 
you wouldn't know this, but you have inspired a thing that we we are starting a cycling club, the Kensho Health Cycling Club, and it is called the Highway to Well. Oh, Um, Oh. we should uh, do a collab. Yeah, yeah, I know. We should figure out how to make make a collab, but it was sort of like, you know, you're... You look around Spain, you look around Mallorca, there's all these people coming from all over the world to ride bikes. Everybody is eating bars of Hershey's and pastries and coffee and wine, and no one looks unwell. Um, And you're like, how much of that are we creating by creating this myopic focus on health and wellness as a conversation so that we can anchor into something where we like, oh, I can't fix it. I can't fix it. I can't fix it. Versus just saying like, what if you actually just chose to fix it? And you're like, I'm just, I'm just going to, you know, like taking that power back into your hands and committing to yourself with conviction. I think we do a lot of kind of spiraling and navel gazing and blaming foods and blaming symptoms. And it's like, there's a, a wonderful psychotherapist. I don't know. Are you familiar with Byron Katie? I imagine you too. It's like, it's only ever you with you. If you have food symptoms, stop eating it. If you have a thing, like don't do it again. No one's going to fix it for you. If caffeine makes you feel like a psychopath, quit drinking it. Like it's all so cut and dry, and we make it really complicated by kind of triangulating symptoms of, mm-hmm. well, it's not the caffeine, it's like the caffeine with my breakfast and the time of day in which I eat it. And right. Well, it also goes back to what you said at the beginning, which is, you know, we also <laughs> try to find ways, we try to find the loophole in being able to continue our bad behaviors. So I know yeah. caffeine makes me feel crappy. I happen to really love the experience of drinking, you know, my decaf. And so I'm going to look for every possible way to continue this bad behavior that's not good for me because I enjoy it. And so it's that kind of pleasure and vice and and you know, push pull that we have. Yeah, radical honesty sucks. Actually, I just gave up sugar today officially. Today? Yeah, I mean now I'm announcing it, so I guess How, how are we good. doing? How many hours? I mean, this is like 12 hours, but <laughs> my diet is so healthy. In the past, it has been so disordered of every weird rule you can think of. Like you name it, I have had that rule. Times of day, foods that are on limit, off limits that I don't eat, that I do eat, that like I, I've done all the LA things that are so stupid. All of the fasts, all of the cleanses, all of the juices, all of the supplements. But I was like, you know what I'm not really being honest with myself about is like my diet's great. And then I also just eat sugar late at night mm. a lot. I should probably just stop that. And no one's no one's going to stop it for me, you know. Yeah, it's like just true. making the choice. <laughs> well, congratulations on day one, and I'd love a progress report at some point. <laughs> I think I'll stick with one it. day at a time. One day at a time. What about you? Sorry, what are you? What do you like? What's your What's your non? Your caffeine? Your sugar? What's your caffeine? Is definitely something. Well, I don't know. It's weird. It's like I had this moment post post uh, giving birth when I was like to my second child and I was like, God, all of a sudden I'm like, I can't like breathe. I'm not like breathing normally. And I was like, it's like my diaphragm is like something's like off. It's partially true, but I had gone to see like fifty thousand different practitioners and done all this stuff and everyone, you know, including like fifty percent of them were like, it's just anxiety, I hate to tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, it is not. It's mechanical. It was right after I gave birth or something was like pulled in the wrong direction, whatever. I had seen everyone. And I had just gone through, I mean, to the point where I, whatever, for other reasons, had uh, like had repaired that um, sort of diaf- uh, like diastasis, whatever issue. Uh, but anyway, I have to say, it's 
probably like 80% noticeable like that when I stopped drinking caffeine, like there is a dramatic, there is a certain level of calm that sort of overcomes me. The problem is it's also just kind of boring. Like I like, I use caffeine sometimes as like a recreational drug. It's like, it's fun. (laughs) It's like, let's just get some stuff done. I mean, I don't know. So I think that there's a little bit of a caffeine abuse going on there. Like I, I know if I stopped drinking caffeine, I would probably be less of a psychopath during the day. It doesn't affect my sleep. So what's the point? Have you ever tried? We, Danny and I both, I tried, he did it and then I did it. And then I forgot that I did it because we were so busy with work. And then I was like, I have such a bad headache. I'm so irritable. And I, oh, I was just like so grumpy. And then I remembered, oh my God, I got out caffeine. Like this is me detoxing from caffeine. That is insane that it is affecting me to this degree. Have you tried? Oh yeah. I mean, I've gone through two pregnancies with no caffeine. I was like, it's so, I'm so calm. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, pregnancy is just so calming. Mm, now we have uh, magic coffee. It's just with- my estrogen pumping through my veins. Oh, and it must be all those other hormonal things that are happening. But yeah, no, for sure. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting one. Caffeine's real. It's so much stronger than people think. Yeah. And whatever, like, you know, you're, this whole conversation, you're, this podcast, this, it's about like finding well-being. I, you know, at the root of all of it is, is some behavior that we all have. There's something for each person that persists where we're not totally being honest with ourselves. You know, I think for us, that's, that's where a health coach is so powerful. Like it's really hard to develop a deep, honest, trusting relationship with your primary care provider when you see them only when something goes wrong or maybe once a year, if you're a woman to get an annual, which apparently we don't need every year now. Last time I went to my gynecologist, she was like, no, 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 it's every three years now. I was like, oh, I go to the doctor every three years. And then you're surprised when something goes wrong. Um, Right. I know you're supposed to take your car in for maintenance more often than that. (laughs) (laughs) My oil needs to be changed. That's such a fair point. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's very exciting what you've built. And um, I, for one, am certainly eager to explore it myself, just, you know, just for maintenance purposes. Actually, I'd love, we'd love to give you guys both in our early kind of founding member program, just give you guys three months and get your feedback on. I would love that. Working with one of our coaches, kind of what does it feel like? How is it? Yeah, yeah that would that. be excellent. Love awesome. That. We can send you some magic coffee. I I would love that. I mean, and we didn't even go down the mushroom route, but <laughs> uh, living in Venice, there's a lot of people that are working in all sorts of different kinds of mushrooms. Yep. So, well, if, if you ever you know sneak some sugar back into your diet, we really uh, our chocolate bars are incredible, and they're only three grams of coconut palm sugar per bar. <laughs> I would like that when I'm. Give her a few hours. And I'm back off the wagon, you know? I'm going to go hard. Maybe that'll be my tipping point. We'll get you some black coffee in the meantime. That'll be be (laughs) safe there. But yeah, that would be amazing. That sounds great. Follow up and do all the things. Sounds good. But best of luck. It's been so nice chatting with you and congratulations. And this is a very exciting opportunity, I think, for everybody to explore. Thank you. So nice chatting with you both. Thanks so much, Krista. Thanks, Krista. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 
or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking. <laughs>